The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews. Presented by IV Creative, it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, Pete Cox, and want to give a shout out again to all the fans out there stateside and worldwide for continuing to show the show some love, running up the numbers out there. We appreciate you guys for continuing to support the show. Again, make sure y'all are tapping in with us on social media. Y'all know where to find them, of course, and you can always find it by going to our website, vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. Run over there, go check out the website, look at our back catalog, leave us that voicemail message as well. And hey, go ahead and hit our buy me a coffee, bottom left-hand corner on the homepage with the coffee cup. Click on that, give a small monetary donation right there, then you can support the show to make sure we can keep this going for many years to come. Guys, we got lots of great ideas for content coming up later on this summer and as well later on in the year so keep tuning in and make sure that you are continuing to spread the word and that you're liking and also subscribing on all the platforms that you listen to as we always say here on the vault our motto is hashtag open the vault hashtag nothing but the classics or nbtc and today we're gonna go back 20 years ago we're gonna go back to august 6 2002 to an album that really strikes very personally for me and the time that it came out and what I was going through in that particular time, but also because it's from an artist that I deeply respect and also admire his work. And we're talking about none other than Brother Mob, Face Mob, Scarface, and his seventh studio album, The Fix, released August 6, 2002, recorded between 2001 and 2002, with a runtime of 47 minutes and 16 seconds on Def Jam South and Def Jam. The producers on this, you know them well, really an all-star cast of producers. Kanye West, Knotts, Mike Dean, The Neptunes, T-Mix, Nasheem Myrick, Flip, Lofi. So there's quite a bit of producers on here that had a long list of credits and the guest spots on here as well. The likes of an all-star cast, Jay-Z, Beanie Siegel, Kelly Price, Faith Evans, Nas, Tanya Heron and Dub C from Westside Connection, really just a star-studded cast of producers and also artists on here as well. 
The singles from the fix, the first one, Guess Who's Back, released April 30th, 2002. My Block, released July 30th, 2002. And Someday, released later on in the year in 2002, heading into 2003. This was an album that was Scarface's first album on Def Jam and his only album on Def Jam. And to speak on why it was so star-studded, we'll talk about in regards to what it took to get Scarface in order to do this album in the first place. Now, he left his longtime label Rap-A-Lock Records after recording his sixth studio album, Last of a Dying Breed, which came out in 2000. Scarface did have a bit of a contentious relationship. Well, not necessarily, I would say contentious. He had a complicated relationship with James Lil J. Smith, who was one of the founders of Rap-A-Lock Records, even though they had a long relationship that Scarface had been with since the beginning of his career. So he left them and ended up linking up with Def Jam. But the plan was when Scarface came to Def Jam, wasn't for him to be an artist on the label. It was only for him to be an executive. So he was only supposed to make the decisions, do stuff like executive produce or green light projects. And he wasn't planning on releasing an album. Now he was president of Def Jam South. And one of the first acts as president for Def Jam South was him signing Ludacris and his DTP click to the label. He had not intended to record an album, but at the urging of Lior Cohen and also with the massive financial investment, Lior gave him a massive check and investment to make sure that he would record an album at his urging. It began happening and the financial security of the move really allowed Scarface to focus on creating quality content for the album and to focus on production and to me it resulted in one of the best albums in his career as a matter of fact Scarface himself says so much of his confidence came from the fact that he knew he wasn't signing to be able to make money with Def Jam he was already squared away he said that in this article with albumism written by Jesse Ducker about the 20th anniversary of the fix he says I was already straight before I even went into the booth I can't tell you how much financial security helped me relax and focus on making the best music I could possibly make. And it wasn't just my own personal finances that were in good shape. The whole project was well financed. I was even more supported than I'd ever been. And you can hear it in the music. And that is probably why you see such a star studded cast in both the production and also the guest stars on here because of that investment and what i will say is an investment that i think that paid off very very handsomely just by hearing what you heard in the fixed and it's important because i want to make sure that we understand where we were during this time we were in the midst of another shift in the industry in hip-hop and in music overall now the south had been on the creep for a while and they were becoming more and more viable they were becoming more and more popular And at this point, they were becoming the dominant area in hip hop in terms of popularity, sales and success. They were all over the airwaves. Their videos were all over the screens on MTV and also on BET. Really right around the turn of the century is when the shift went away from more so of the coast centrics to being more towards the South, the Mid-South and the Midwest becoming more apparent with the emergence of these record labels like No Limit and Cash Money with Slip and Slide, with Hypnotized Minds, with Nelly and the St. Lunatics, with the Clips, Neptunes, and Star Trek. And soon, a good portion of what we would see would emerge in the early 2000s out of Houston. And this is right in the hotbed of where Scarface is from. And he definitely, when it comes to Houston rap, is no, without a shadow of a doubt, to me, as far as artists are concerned, is the godfather. 
And rap was becoming a bit of a different thing, though, in the industry. In some cases, the music was a little bit more vulgar and explicit. And in other cases, it was becoming a little bit more pop and commercialized. Now, Scarface as an artist was none of that. Through his career, he's been amazingly consistent, as we all know. I mean, he has the lyrics, of course, we know. Definitely one of the best storytellers and one of the most underrated storytellers out there that when we talk about MCs and storytellers, does not get his props, I believe, at least in my opinion. The tales of street life, talking about hustling, talking about life in his hood and around his way. But he also had introspection. He had cautionary tales. He was one of the few in the game that I like to say could be what he was and was always very well respected by everyone everywhere. Didn't matter what area or what coast he came from, east, west, north, south, internationally, he was respected by everyone in the game. But this new album, I thought, was some of the old face. But at this point, he definitely was a grizzled vet and probably one of the most respected and skilled griots out there in telling stories. He offered up more than just more of the same and also none of what the majority of what the commercial industry was peddling. This album offered themes like cautionary tales of betrayal, striking back at enemies, but it's also very spiritual, very candid and a very emotional album as well. The Scarface to me, I think is better than most rappers on this side of Tupac and DMX that knew how to speak to the heart of street dudes and especially of those who felt overlooked on society's fringes. And he had a way to let them know that he knew their pain and struggles. He does that and portrays that through his lyrics, through his voice, through his persona better than almost any rapper that I know. And he does that on a way in this album that I can't really describe. So he sets that up with the fix and you hear that throughout this album. And now I want to go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. Listening to Scarface and getting ready for the release of this album. Like we didn't even know an album was coming out. At least I wasn't. And at this time I wasn't really deep into the hip hop publications as much because I was in college and I was more so on the internet more than anything else. But the first single from the album is what caught everyone's attention. And that single was Guess Who's Back. Now, this song drops and this crazy beat drops. And of course, it opens up with Jay-Z. With that talk to me, man, like immediately it catches everybody's attention. Guess Who's Back drops about two weeks before finals starts. And we're all getting ready to head into finals. When you're getting ready for finals, as it was at Morgan and I'm sure many other college campuses, that's sort of like that period when you had the last lap of all right, we're going to get these last little bit of parties in before we all got to get into the libraries and the dorm rooms and study groups and get ready to pass these finals so we can be up out of here for the summertime. Well, those parties used to be some of the best parties when you were getting ready to leave for the semester and when you were getting ready to leave for the school year. But that single really catches on right around that time. And it catches on for obvious reasons. It's a huge, huge hit with an amazing beat produced by Kanye West, with the opening by Jay-Z, who's one of the biggest, two or three biggest rap stars in the game, probably the biggest rap star in the game. You add on to that a rapper like Scarface, and then someone else who's also hot and Beanie Siegel, it's a perfect combination. It was a huge hit. It served as a soundtrack for the rest of our time in that school, definitely for those partying times, for those epic parties of that spring of 02 right before we were getting ready to ride home for the summer after we finished finals. And we rode through it throughout the whole summer. Then right before the album comes out, my block hits the radio airwaves. And that was another massive hit. So at this time, 
we got two massive hits. Faces two for two when it comes for these singles. And the word's starting out throughout my circles and through other circles out there that we like, yo, man, this Face album might be a winner. So then the album drops and I cop it immediately, which was very unusual at that time. Because if you heard my episode with 12 Kyle, when we talked about the file sharing revolution of the early 2000s, I was getting so many of my albums through like Kazaa and LimeWire and at that time Song Spy. But I wanted to make sure I got this as soon as possible. And I wanted the best quality copy that I could get. And so I went to the store and I copped a copy of it, got it on CD and then popped it in right when I got to the crib and rode for a short bit, but then listened to the rest of it when I got to the crib. And when I listened to it, I played it when I got home, when I was doing some laundry and through the first time that I listened to it, I was blown away immediately. So I do my thing, what I did back then. And I called my homeboy up and I called him and said, yo, I don't know what's good. I don't know what you're doing right now, but I just listened to that Scarface joint. And I'm like, yo, hit me back when you can. So I'm listening to it again later on in that day. And about halfway through listening to it, my boy hits me back. And he said, yo, I got your voicemail. What's good? I told him, I said, dog, I think I just heard the best Scarface album of all time. (laughs) And I said that without hesitation back then. And he's sitting there listening to me. He was like, words better than the diary. I'm like, you know what? It's early, but I think it might have the potential to be better than the diary. And he, of course, thought that I was sicing. And he was like, nah, man, I don't believe that. So. What does he do? He comes over and he does give me a little bit of change and I do dub the joint for him, you know, and he listens to it. He listened to it on the way back home and there and he calls me back. I want to say the next day it says, yo, I think I might agree with you. <laughs> and so that's what's crazy because we have been through several great Scarface albums through our high school years from the untouchables to my homies and we had heard the best of the best and in middle school we came out the diary came out so we were like right in peak era face mob and so to hear something like this and say that this was possibly the best out of all of them yeah it was definitely special getting the obvious parts out of the way scarface on here is obviously an still an amazing mc and he and still outstanding at this i mean 30 years after he first dropped mr scarface's back He is still an MC that is skilled and is skilled at a level that many MCs are not. And he's typical brother mob on here. Very controlled flow, but commanding presence and striking lyrics. But this time around, I think he was really in the role as OG, as if he was holding court over the youngins and giving them game, like the way the OGs used to do back in the neighborhood. But not just because he wants them to do better and to be better and to do well, but he wants them to live. I mean, in a lot of these tracks in this album, you can hear the tenor and Scarface's voice that, you know, the tone that he takes here is definitely something that strikes at the heart of a lot of people who have been in that situation where they've had someone older trying to give them game, not just about the game, but about life in general. To add on to that with his prowess as an MC, the production on here is absolutely bananas. I mean, he's working with some of the best producers out there and collaborators who have worked with them before. And Kanye's contributions on here are just top notch. Face gave him a lot of props for helping to make the album for what it was. Now, I'm not going to say his contributions are here are probably just as noteworthy as his work on the blueprint, because I think his contributions there being as though the 
status of what that album is historically is big, but I think it's just right there. I want to say to probably maybe a notch below his work on the blueprint and it's not as extensive, only three beats on here. But to me, it's just, it really is the impact of what the work that he did on this and uh, you know, just how big it actually is. But then to also get contributions from frequent collaborators like Mike Dean and T-Mix and then to have the Neptunes on here, it's able to give the album not just the variety, but also the depth that it needed. This is probably one of the best produced albums in its whole catalog. And I have no problem saying that. And there are some really, really great produced albums in its catalog. This one is right up there with the best of them. But then the guest spots on here are all just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they're all very timely. And they're all like seems like perfectly placed, including in the sequencing of where they appeared in the album. Now, the ability to be able to get both Jay and Nas on an album, although it's not the same track, obviously, but to get them on the same album during a time that they were beefing and also to get the vocal contributions of singers like Kelly Price and Faith and even in Tanya Heron, who was Mike Dean's wife, who stepped up in the clutch after Stevie Nicks couldn't sing the hook. They ended up getting Tanya to sing the hook for them. You have all these contributions here. It really was just something that, again, you talk about the financial security and investment to be able to get all of these names on here. It makes for a great, great album. And with all those factors at work, you can just see why this album turned out to be great investment by Lior and Def Jam to give Scarface what he needed to be able to make an album that it could be him at its absolute best. When I was done, I was sure that I had heard the best album of the year, at least at that time. And it carried me into my junior year at Morgan, where it was the talk of so many different circles when we moved in. And in the 20 years since it's been out, it's solidly in not just my top two for Scarface, but also on a crucial short list for me. And I'll get to that in just a second. Highlights and lowlights. <sighs> Goodness. Where do I start? I mean, it's <laughs> this album is 47 minutes and 16 seconds of just consistent thump, no matter where you go. I mean, from the minute you press play on track number one, which is the fixed intro, until you get through the end of fixed outro, it's just absolute fire. And it doesn't let up. From the minute you hit track number one, get into... Track number two, Safe, where Face hits you with just some hard lyrics and definitely giving you tales about what happens as homies in the streets plotting on you in Safe. And that hits you hard and you know that it's typical Face mob and typical Face lyrics and flow. But then you get into In Cold Blood with that absolutely hypnotic beat by Kanye that just knocks you out. And a flow that can only be a Face flow that just complements that beat completely well. When you get into Guess Who's Back, we're familiar with the single, but when this joint drops and where it drops with that beat by Kanye, that oh, that sample that comes in that they used, the original Sunrise, I mean, <laughs> it just is really, really dope. And to have Jay on there spitting his game, Scarface to pretty much back that up, and then Beanie Siegel to really close the track out very, very strongly, the heat is still going. And then... You get into my block, which is just an absolute dumper, still a head nodder to this day. Definitely one of Face's signature tracks, even after all of these years. When you get into Keep Me Down, and shout out to Knots for this beat, this guitar. My 
God. <laughs> that guitar on Keep Me Down. And this song always was one of my favorites on this joint because of Face spitting on here and the game he was spitting on here. But then that guitar beat just kept things rolling. I mean, you're rolling through this and you're first through the first six tracks and there's no let up. But then finally things change pace a little bit for What Can I Do featuring Kelly Price. And this song to me is the one where obviously the change of pace comes at a needed time. But really the messaging in this one here is something that strike home for me. And I'll talk about that in just a second in regards to why this song and also this album is very important to me during this. But like Kelly Price in here and the vocals, the hook, I mean, the emotions in the song is just something that I think that most people when listening to this will say that it hits them a little hard because of that. I mean, I don't know many people that can listen to this and not be affected. Then you get into In Between Us, which has Nas and and Nas comes out and then out the break just hits a completely just one of his best verses and really takes the time to, you know, spit a poignant verse in regards to, to the subject matter. And he takes the time to talk about learning from adversity growing up, you know, taking the knowledge he acquired to help survive the streets and survive life. And he changes that because originally the lyrics in this In Between Us had some bars that were definitely directed right at Jay and face requested that Nas change the lyrics and change the bars. He wanted no parts of being caught up in between the beef between Nas and Jay. And considering that he was having Jay on here as a guest, he did not want any type of beef or a part of the beef or anything like that. So Nas changed the verse and then Scarface made his contribution on there. It was to me right up there, sort of like, I would say a continuation almost of a favor to a favor that was on I am. And those two collaborated again. And you, some people think that Scarface and Nas wouldn't work, but they showed for the second time that definitely it worked. And then someday with faith produced by the Neptunes, a shout out to them for the beat. But I mean, faith, her vocals on this man, it did something to me in the, the lyrics, man, Scarface's flow and the lyrics, it evoked an emotion out of me that I didn't think that I would get listening to Scarface's music. Let me put it that way. And really perfectly placed, sort of like right in the same vein of what can I do? But, oh man, just an incredible track. And it shows a different type of side of faith. I mean, Faith has always kind of talked a little bit about spiritual things and, you know, talks about praying in God. But to me, this is almost like taking it to the next step. Going into Sellout, Sellout is, again, another, uh, to me, an underrated track on here, produced by T-Mix, and then Getting Into Heaven with Kelly Price yet again. I mean, a song with the message, again, where they're talking about this change of pace that Face has. This is really the sign of maturity and being an OG. We talked about the things that what your OGs do in the game. This is just Faith doing it again, and this song actually has one of my best moments of the entire album, with the beat switch and then the verse to end the album and the message is just something, a message that still resonates 20 something years later is a message that's timeless. And then the album really closes out on I ain't the one with dub C. And if there is a quote unquote, let up or let down, I guess you could say it is probably a little bit here. Now this song produced by Tony Pizarro and flip. I mean, this is to me a strong song as well. Um, it definitely gets back into the mode of face being OG gangster street life type stuff. And 
Dubsy definitely fits into that category and what they're talking about definitely will strike a tone with some. It isn't my favorite track on the album, but I think to me, it's something that I'm not really worried about because I think it stays into the mode and also the tenor of most of the album before you close it out with Fixed in the outro. Now, that's the entire album. 47 minutes and 16 seconds of heat and not one low light for me. I mean, this is an album I can play through all the way, not have to worry about skipping, not have to worry about fast forwarding, none of that. This is just absolute fire. I mean, obviously there are standouts here. What can I do? Guess who's back? Someday, In Between Us, In Cold Blood are all my favorites, but I can play all of these tracks on here. I mean, this is to me one of my favorites of all the Scarface's albums and one of the ones where I can go all the way through and not cringe at least one time like uh this doesn't really nah this is absolute fire absolute fire when he talked about that it created an environment for him really to focus on making good music you can tell and you can hear it in the music beyond just the financial security provided for the people he was able to get I mean that helps But I think even if he didn't have these guest spots, this would be a standout album. Notable quotables. So my notable quotable, even though there are so many of them here, and I could pick so many of the ones that you are more familiar with, I'm actually going to go with one that strikes me the hardest because of the message. And I talked about Heaven with Kelly Price. For those who are familiar with the album, there's a moment in Heaven featuring Kelly Price that the beat is one beat that is produced by T-Mix and then the beat flips to another type of beat produced by Kanye and it just stops. Like maybe for 50, the last 50 seconds, this beat comes on and then Faye spits a verse over that. That is one of my favorite moments on the album, probably my favorite moment on the album. And it's almost like a different song in a certain respect. My notable quotable comes from that song when the beat switches in the middle of the second verse. After that beat switch comes on and, you know, it builds up and then it drops. Face drops his verse. America the beautiful, don't be so cold. How you expecting our seeds gonna grow? When you trap us in the gutter and show love to the other motherfuckers while we right here starving at home. I cry if I thought that me shedding the tear might help. Then again, me shedding tears don't help. Want to call up to the president just to see if he know help. Let him know you up shit creek yourself. We all sinners facing the winter with no socks and no shoes in the position where we all going to lose. Tell the penitentiaries we going to need more schools or what the fuck is we going to do? Sit around and let the world pass us by waiting on a message for the reverend when he ain't but another man trying to get to heaven. Waiting on a message from the reverend when he ain't but another man trying to get to heaven. Man, (laughs) when I listened to this part, when the beat switched and he came with that verse, I think I had to rewind it probably like four or five times just to get that part again. I mean, that was the part that to me was just like, this is wow. Waiting on a message from the Reverend when he ain't but another man trying to get to heaven. And the rest of it is something that, like I said, is a message that's timeless. I mean, want to call up the president just to see if he know help. Let him know you up shit creek yourself. We all sinners. I mean, wow. I mean, absolutely. Just, <laughs> I mean, just starting it off with the America the Beautiful. Don't be so cold. How you expecting our seeds going to grow? That's been a message of black people and marginalized people in this country for a long time. But I digress. Just 
to me in an album full of gems this is definitely gem number one for me personally final verdict so look i mean this is not hard to figure out this is just absolutely without a shadow of a doubt to me this is certified classic 10 out of 10 i mean this album has not only gotten better for me as time has gone on but considering the quality of the content and the messages from this album from one of the most reliable consistent and respected messengers in the game is definitely stands the test of time. So the messages and the lyrics that Scarface lays out, they always age well to me, but these haven't aged at all in 20 years. Now for me personally, as I stated earlier, the reason why I respect this album so much is because the spiritual aspect of this hits home, especially in the context of the time. Now around this time that this was coming out and as it was the months afterwards, I lost one of my childhood friends and I was also going through a personal storm in my life. And to be honest, this album and the content in it, some of the content in it helped me get through it. Additionally, they have two singles on here that are certified classic singles that 20 years have definitely stood the test of time. And guess who's back and my block. And for me, this is in the top two of his catalog, right along with the diary. It's also a personal favorite top 20 hip hop album of all time for me. It's an album that when you speak to people about it, hip hop fans, no matter where they are, no matter what disposition they have to what area of the country of rap or style of rap that they like, I haven't met a rap fan that hasn't liked this album. And for the Scarface fans, many of them have this within their top two or three albums in Scarface catalog. And for a lot of Scarface fans, to a lot, they love a lot of his older material, especially those from that like early Scarface, 91, 92, 93, 94, heading into some who like the later Scarface, heading into the late 90s. But this one is an album that I think is probably his most complete, his most well-rounded, the album with the most depth, variety, and the personality. To say that about a man who has a catalog as deep and has good quality as his, is saying a whole lot. And in the 20 years since it's been out, it has maintained and has definitely stood the test of time. So The Fix by Scarface. Make sure y'all go check that out. Go look it up. See if you can get the vinyl. Also, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think about the discussion. Hit us up with your favorite songs about The Fix. Let us know if there's a song out there that we didn't necessarily mention too much that you have on your top list and why you have it there. But just go ahead and hit us up. Let us know what's going on. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to continue the conversation. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show. Check out our past episodes. Join our mailing list. Leave a review. Or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. 
And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.